Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello and welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. We have finally made it to double digits. This is episode 10. Who would have thought we'd make double digits? <laughs> yes, I was reading uh, around the time we were starting up that most podcasts never make it to, I think it's 10 or 15 episodes. So, wow. we're, we're you know, we're doing all right. We haven't quit just yet. So, uh, we're so almost a teenager. That's a good thing. But, uh, <laughs> we're going through that awkward pre-teenager phase. <laughs> so you're on the show with Paul Spain. you got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Great to be here. Right. Tonight we have a fun-filled lineup, for want of a better um, term to describe it. It's been a busy afternoon. It just exploded on us today, didn't it? All sorts of crazy news. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the news of the moment, which is uh, Skype apparently being uh, bought by Microsoft. We've got a little bit uh, of an update there on Sony's PlayStation Network. We're going to be talking password storage. We chat with Paul Brislin uh, from Two Ans regarding New Zealand uh, mobile termination rates. We will be chatting a little bit about home cinema. Yay. And some new hardware, bits and pieces that are coming through. Um, SSD hard drives, uh, two degrees mobile hotspot. And there are a few other topics which I'm not going to mention because we'll see whether we actually get to squeeze them in because uh, we've actually got quite a bit to get through tonight. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. It's going to be a long show. So uh, let's let's see how we go. All right. So jumping into it first up, our friend Sony. Oh boy, what have they been up to? I feel Did they sorry. get back online? They said last week they were going to be back online uh, within the week. Was that was the yep. media announcement that we got from um, uh, their local their local people? Um, I understand they haven't. They haven't quite landed. Well, yet. it was it was all set to go, and then they got hacked again. again. But a we, third we knew time. that we knew that during the episode last week. We talked about their their. No, there was another the, hack on no. top of the others uh, that have been going on over the weekend. Over the weekend. So what happened is that the information from some competitions. Yeah, this is three hacks so far. The competition information from competitions they did in two thousand one forward oh, has right. been released in that. the in the wild. Yes. And so Sony are now sitting there, probably thinking, "Oh, where do we? We need another little boy to put a finger in a dike to stop this flood because it's going just pear shaped." So would you? Really, would would so, you really want the guy's job that took the security role? Oh, that, that he started about two weeks ago, wasn't it? He's probably oh. he's probably not sleeping so at they've all. Got issues all over town, really, haven't they? They do. Been, they've been so doing a lot of work. They've been supposedly rewriting code, getting a lot of third party people in to investigate things. I've even heard they've been moving servers from uh, some data centers in the states to other data centers to try and stem some issues. So there may be a secure physical security issue here too. So. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, what did I hear? Maybe end of May now? Yeah. Look, there, there's all sorts of dates floating around. While we sort of jest a little bit, I, I these guys need to get up and going for the gaming community at the Absolutely, moment. Absolutely, yeah. You, you yeah. really need the competition out there, and it's such a shame that when, you know, there was a really good service from talking to you, Skip, you, you rave about it. We've got to get these guys have got to get up and going. So we've got some good competition out there, and it keeps everyone on their toes. And it's just, it's, 
it's not good for gamers at the moment just to have one the Xbox primary not live network out there at the moment. Yeah. We need well, I, th- I think we'll see them get on their feet again, and and they're going to really you know get out there and 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 promote heavily once it's back. I'm sure they'll be doing you know freebie deals for all of those that have been impacted. They're talking about free games and other bits and pieces, which is is good. Yeah, I look at at the end of the day. I can't imagine Sony's going to go back over this path again. No. They're going to just go and, and tighten this thing down so tight and it'll be an exceptionally secure network, I hope. <laughs> and, and and I guess the other hope is that other companies start to realise how important security is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I recall, um, you know, some years ago, you know, Microsoft, they were always sort of getting poked. Oh, their, you know, systems aren't secure and so on. And then that... that you know, memo went out across all the staff saying security has to be a you know a big focus. They put all their software developers, all their people on um, on on training. They pulled them out of the products they were working on to go on training. The XP days. Um, you know, there there have been that you know, and that that's years ago. But it it seems that there are still companies that are still you know fairly relaxed about security. And you know, I guess when you look at New Zealand, we've got so many small businesses here. It's hard for people to think about oh, how do I secure my network and my data, but you know most companies have have information that would be, um, you know, it wouldn't be good if that just got leaked out or that people got into their confidential systems and so on. Um, on a basis of Sony, obviously that's on a completely different scale, but you know I think it's a bit of a shake up, you know, to organisations globally just that it is important that we, um, you know, we look at our our uh, businesses' data security. I think, yeah, exactly every business. I know the business I'm involved with have been seriously rethinking things mm, because of it. So Yeah, yeah. so there, there's certainly a, there's a positive side to it. Obviously, it's not good now while it's happening, but, you know, we'll be through that soon. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's learn some lessons. Let's, let's get them on the show as well. I think they need a group hug when they come. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, because we, we have thrown out um, sort of some hooks to see if they'll come and talk to us about some stuff. But, uh, I mean, understandably, if you're in Sony PR right now, you must be thinking, oh, this is the worst day. So I feel for you guys, we'll send you pizza or beer or both. (laughs) Now, um, on a related matter, there was some stuff that came out um, from LastPass. Now, LastPass are a company that provide uh, an online password storage system and, you know, an ability to sort of um, automatically fill out forms on on your web browser and so on for you so you don't have to remember all you know your different passwords allows you to keep different passwords for uh, for every website and service that uh, that you access. Uh, but yeah, there was some uh, some word that maybe their database got hacked into. Have you guys heard anything about that? I, I heard a, I heard there was a public release saying that they had had a compromise. I don't know what information has gone, and uh, I guess there's got to be some form of encryption happening there at least. Yeah, I mean, there is, there is. If they're storing they things in clear text, that's does it plug into the browser or is it a standalone? It, it, it does, yeah. Um, and and what I understand is is all their data is encrypted, but it's based on your password. So if your main sort of you know your password is your key, so if if you've used oh, a no. a simple password to 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 uh, you know secure your LastPass account, then someone can unencrypt your data with that. So if if you've you know if your password is just a word that's in the dictionary. Uh, then they're going to be able to potentially get at your data because they'll do a dictionary, you know, at- attack on it and fire all the words in the dictionary, a and, one, ev- and eventually they'll get in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, very, very, um, very interesting that that's happened. But it sounds as though as long as you've got a good secure password to start with, you're okay. Yeah. 
Definitely. Upper, yeah. lower case and have numbers in it. Yeah, and not A1, B2, what? C3, D4. All right. Now, on a related uh, on a related topic, um, you know, we've talked in the past about hey, it's important that everyone has different passwords, and you you know find a find a, a yep. method that works for you. Uh, we've had some of the listeners making contact and say, well, what are the recommended ways of actually doing that? So, yes, there's tools like LastPass. That's a, that's a good way to to do it to use those tools, but you do have to be wary and aware that hey, there's a potential for any service to get hacked. So I use a password storage mechanism um, whereby for my you know most important passwords like banking passwords and so on, they're in there, but not in their entirety. So if I forget my banking password, I can look at a little reminder yep. and it'll show me the bits that are um, specific to my banking, but there's also other bits that I store in my head and I'll what I'll have is a sort of a a mixed password so i'll have a password that maybe half of it is common across other passwords and then the other half of the password is specific to that account so when i log into the bank oh yeah i've got my standard bit of um you know blah blah one two three or whatever that is and then i've got some other bits that might sit at the beginning end middle whatever and i find that's quite a good technique um you know that that allows me to mix up my passwords a little bit and you can use some techniques there to you know that may be irrelevant to you know the site that you're logging into and so on but you know you've got to come up with your own way of doing that a lot of people use and i I can't remember there's a particular way of explaining this but if you have a sentence and you take the first word from each sentence so you might have mary is three this year so you have m i the number three t y for instance and you just have a little thing that always you can always put your acronym that you can pull off nice and quickly and you just pull the first three up below in case it's got to be something specific to you though doesn't it you know don't do mary had a little lamb because you know that one's obviously uh as well known so you've got to come up with something yeah something that's that's unique to you and that, that way it allows you to sort of always remember you know if you pick your child's name and their birthday and you put into a bit of a sentence then yeah it sort of works there but you you don't you do not want to use the common God, first name, last name, date of birth. Stay away from those. Mix it up a little bit. Um, and look, when I'm talking to sort of you know older people like my mum and dad and stuff, put upper and lower case in there and put a zero where an O is. It's amazing how hard it is for cracking tools to actually just by doing some simple stuff that it just goes from a five minute hack to a a two day hack. You know, you just gotta. Be a bit sensible in there. Yeah, but definitely don't use dictionary words. And I would say don't even use a what is a dictionary word, but you've just changed out the O for a zero and so on. What is a dictionary those, word? Those, those do you want to explain that? Like God? Well, any any word that's in the dictionary, really. So the dictionary is pretty big. There's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's true, though. The dictionary is big. We'll just use the dictionary. <laughs> So it can't be a genuine word. That's what I'm saying. There we yeah. go. Is, that, is yeah. that the answer? There was, I was looking. For, I was digging. I was hoping to sort of lead you into that one. But no, we've been picking on Paul all evening, so he's oh, coming man. back at us right now. All it's right. Awesome. Now, um, I'm sure you guys out there are probably much smarter at picking passwords than uh, than Brad and Skip and 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 I am. Um, but yeah, there's there's some techniques anyway to uh, to follow. So mix it up. Don't don't use real words in your password. And try and find a technique that works for you to have a different password for the different sites you visit, and you know that might be as simple, you know, as working out. Oh, the this the website I'm thinking of is Westpac, so 
I'm going to represent W in a in another way and add that onto my password, and I'm going to represent the you know some other part that reflects it, or maybe oh Westpac, that's my bank. So you might put a little bit of that something that from the word bank that ties onto your password. I'm not sure, but you've got to come up with some unique way of of distinguishing it. The challenge is if you've got to remember those rather than using a tool like LastPass, then you need a you know quite an easy way of of distinguishing that that's the bank password and and so on without just using your core. So, yeah. Um, if you have a look online, um, there are a lot of password managers, so you can you can search for those. Uh, do a bit of a Google or a Bing search, and you'll find those things. Uh, obviously, LastPass is, is, is one of those that, uh, that you'll find. All right, next topic. On to discussing mobile termination rates than the recent announcement. We're going to cut across and have a chat with Paul Brislin. Hello, thank you. Great to great to have you on the show. Now um, you've been uh, in a lot of media in the last few days on most of the TV and radio stations. Are you not sick of me yet? <laughs> I'm sick of me, so <laughs> you guys must be. You must. Well, have, you might be running for prime minister or something with all the media coverage you're getting. Well, listen, you know, hey, somebody in parliament needs to understand how to spell IT. There's a few there <laughs> who, who could do with lessons on that, at the very least. Yeah, I think you, you're probably right there with some of the things going on recently. Yes. Now. Can you just give us a, a brief overview on what is two ends? Because last year you were with Vodafone. You've been yep. uh, you've been in this sort of tech and communications industry for for a long time. Um, now now you're heading up two ends. Tell us That's about that. Right. Yeah, well, 2Ns is the Telco Users Association. So uh, we were set up 25 years ago, 25 years old this year, um, set up by a bunch of businessmen who said uh, every time we go out for tender for something um, techy and telco-related like a PBX system to, to run the company and that kind of thing, uh, we get no competi- we, we get no, uh, no vendors bidding, uh, and those that do just give us a price list. There's no competition. What's the story? We need to do something about it. So they set up 2Ns to represent uh, the users of New Zealand and to try and barrack the, um, the telcos for a better deal and also lobby government for things like uh, uh, rural broadband extensions and um, uh, broadband to schools and things of that sort. Back in the time when uh, nobody really knew that this was the way of the future. So good on them. I, I get to uh, uh, pick up the mantle now and I've been doing it, as you say, since February. So uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting time in the business. It is well. I guess the the the, the current topic really is these uh, mobile termination rates mm. and the announcement that uh, that's happened in the, in the last few days. We, we we touched on it briefly on uh, our last episode last week because right. we knew the announcement was coming. But but now it's come. Uh, w- what's your take on on what's going to happen? We've you know we've had feedback from most of the telcos now of well it's not going to have any immediate impact. Yeah. Um, I, I chatted. With the um, uh, the two degrees guys who highlighted, yeah. well, you know, we we dropped our rates last year on the basis we knew this was coming, and and I think sure. we, we we did know this was coming, uh, but but what's your take on on what's going to happen and, and what should happen? Yeah. Well, yeah, termination rates. These are the the wholesale rates that telcos pay each other to connect calls to their networks, and uh, by lowering the rates, the Commerce Commission has sent them a big signal that they expect retail rates to come down. And as you say, it's, it's, um, it's not necessarily um, sort of uh, chicken and egg. 
Uh, in some cases, these rates are wholesale rates that the telcos have already factored in, the rate reduction, as they say. Uh, in other cases, um, they're saying there's no relationship whatsoever. That's Vodafone's point of view. Uh, there's no relationship between wholesale rates and retail rates. And um, what we'll do is move in a competitive market uh, driven by competition, not by regulation. The Commerce Commission has said that they expect to see uh, retail rates come down but, uh, so it's three things from the Commerce Commission. Retail rates to come down. They'd also expect competition to increase. That is, we'll get more uh, players in the market, which would be fantastic because more players means uh, price war. It also means uh, innovation, which is something this industry needs a lot more of. Uh, and then the third thing is that they expect to see the telcos addressing this difference between uh, what they call on-net pricing and off-net pricing. So on-net pricing is I make a call to you, we're both on Vodafone, it all stays on the Vodafone network, we get charged um, a very low rate, but if I ring somebody else and they're on the telecom network and it's a Vodafone to telecom call, that's an off-net call and the rates are still quite high. And the difference between the uh, the two sets of rates um, is, is quite uh, anti-competitive, is the argument. And so the Commerce Commission has said, we agree with that. We will monitor for the next few months. And if the rates don't come down, we'll look at regulating that as well. And they may well introduce uh, a, a cap on um, uh, how much of a difference there can be between on-net and off-net calls, which yeah. would just cause all kinds of trouble. That's, that's, quite, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we, you know, we, we were talking about uh, the, the success that Two Degrees have had in the market yeah. and recently, and, and, it, and it, you know, it tends to highlight that that we, we are operating in a competitive environment now. The fact that they're able to come in uh, and win you know, such a big market share in that's a very, right. very short space of time. Yeah. Yeah, customers are ready for something a bit different, and it's not necessarily just the simple price point. Uh, they're, they're ready to try things like uh, rollover minutes. You know, I haven't used all 1,000 minutes this month. I'll take some of them over to next month as well. That would be uh, They gold. want um, data yeah. bundles that are uh, much larger and able to be used uh, over a period of time rather than just in, in uh, inside the 30-day period, that kind of thing. They want a bit of... Uh, uh, opportunity to try different things, and and that's what competition really brings. Yeah, that's why I, I hope think if that, nothing else, we get a lot more competitors in the market. Yeah, and and those things would certainly be be excellent. I mean, it's frustrating at the moment with a lot of the uh, the data plans, for instance. Once you use up the initial block you've paid for, suddenly yep. the rates go go through the roof. Oh, they and, do. They and, do. And, the, the and there's no explanation rate. on for that, other yeah. than that's the telco's way of sort of profiting off off selling data cheap in a bundle is well, haha, if you accidentally go over it, we're going to charge you 10 times or 100 times as much for the, um, for the data once you've, right. once you've used up your two gigs. But, uh, you know, we might, might not even alert you that that's uh, happened, depending on what device you're using and so on. Yeah, that's right. And if you travel overseas, then just forget about it because it's not 10 or 100 times the price. It's up to 3,000 times the price you were paying here. Uh, so uh, if you're really lucky, you go overseas, you, you send a few tweets, you check the email occasionally, and uh, you come back to a $2,000 phone bill, which is what I did last month. And, and wow. that sort of just thing ridiculous. is, yeah, it seems to be fairly, fairly common, although yeah. um, in Europe they've, uh, you know, they've come out with, with, you know, they've regulated the market there and they've put, a, put um, some constraints in place around 
around how that happens, haven't they, right across the whole right. um, European community, which, which sounds like a really smart move. Yep. Is that something that um, it, it looks like the Commerce Commission would would um, you know would come out with following the, um, the 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 current work they're doing investigating trans Tasman roaming rates? Well, that's that's exactly where it's going. Over here, it's the uh, the MED that's doing it. Um, the that's Commerce right. Commission isn't allowed near it because it's uh, it's outside. It's international, so it's outside their uh, their area of um, uh, legal uh, jurisdiction, if you like. But um, certainly that's what's happened in Europe. The, um, the regulator over there said, OK, telcos, um, you best address this problem because, of course, in Europe you can walk down the road and be in a different country. Uh, and uh, you can even be along the border. And if your phone decides to connect to the cell site across the border, suddenly your uh, data roaming and your phone bill stops being £13 a month and becomes £300 uh, with, without any warning. So they said, get your act together or we'll regulate. Um, the telco industry got their act together and started warning people about, uh, about the issues, uh, but not really doing much about the pricing. And the, the commissioner over there said, OK, you've had your opportunity, uh, you screwed it up. We're now going to regulate the price at retail level, yep. which um, put the fear of God in a lot of the telcos over there, and they're <laughs> still arguing imagine. about it today. Yeah. But that's exactly the way it's, it's got to be done. You get a chance, and if you don't do it, We'll do it for you. And and what uh, what I heard one of the one of the guys from uh, Vodafone say uh, last week was that this um, move by the Commerce Commission regarding the um, termination rates is going to cost them 140 million. A year. The year, yeah. That, that would be right. right. The, the number varies depending on how you measure it and who you talk to. Mm. But uh, absolutely, this will affect the, the mobile player in the market uh, far more than anybody else. And um, my argument, and, and in fact Vodafone's as well, oddly enough, it's, it's, we, we're fairly aligned on this, is the savings have to be passed on to the consumer. Uh, if all we're doing with these regulations is moving money from Vodafone to the rest of the industry, uh, then it's a waste of time. What we need to see is money going to the consumer and then the telcos fighting for the consumer's dollar. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened, certainly in Australia, the, uh, the ACCC over there, the Commerce Commission equivalent, lowered the rates over there quite dramatically. Uh, and Telstra, the biggest fixed-line operator, said thanks very much, put it all in its back pocket, didn't pass anything on to the consumers. Uh, I believe at one point they actually put up the price of making a call from a landline to a mobile, which was flying in the face of what the Commission was trying to do. They ended up with a 900 million Australian dollar war chest. They built themselves a shiny new uh, cell phone network and um, have consolidated their market share and are dominating the market over there. No, so, very, very uh, you know, it's, approach. it's, it's quite uh, so, so much so that the ACCC in Australia said, that's it, we're not lowering termination rates any further. This is ridiculous. This is not at all what we anticipated and uh, is not acceptable uh, that you basically are now destroying the, uh, the competitive framework of the country because uh, we've given you a, a, big, um, a big bonus, basically. So that's the fear over here. The money will leave Vodafone. It'll end up in the coffers of potentially the, uh, the fixed-line providers, uh, and the biggest fixed-line provider in the country is still, to this day, Telecom. 
So the fear is telecom gets a big check, Vodafone, uh, the biggest competitor, uh, has money taken off it, and uh, you know somehow from that we end up with a more competitive market. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like an ideal position, market. does it? it? It doesn't really, does no. it? So you can understand why Vodafone get very stressed out yeah, by this kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I, I um, was, was in touch with uh, one of the VoIP um, providers, Voice mm. Over IP, sort of landline uh, connections, uh, to talk this week, and I sp- right. and uh, was chatting to their uh, GM, Jude Flood, and I was saying, well, what's going to happen with your rates for calling from landlines to mobiles? Are those going to be coming down? Yeah. And now I was I was left with an understanding that the landline to mobile rates that the telcos aren't going to be passing those on and immediately that there's um, that there may be three or four months away. Now That's th- right. there was a th- you know three to four hundred page document covering all these details yeah. and I and I did miss that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how I missed that. It was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I I guess. If they're able to do that in, in a few months' time, hopefully that's what we'll see across the board is, is some sort of uh, uh, you know reasonably quick drop in uh, landline-to-mobile rates. Well, you would hope so, uh, and certainly there's already been indications that some of the companies will look at reducing their rates. Um, it's In the mobile world, because they're all mobile, uh, mobile termination rates really don't matter to the to your end price point. Vodafone pays telecom, telecom pays two degrees, two degrees pays Vodafone. The money sort of goes around in a big circle. I think Vodafone comes out slightly ahead at the moment, uh, but it's it's chump change really compared with how much money is being passed around. So in the mobile space, it's probably more a competitive move uh, to lower the rates. It allows some sure. new players to come in and, and fight. In the fixed line market, though, it's pure profit for the fixed line providers. This is only a cost to them. They're not earning anything from mobile termination rates. So the fact that they're now lower means that they should be passing on the savings uh, to us, the customers. Uh, and that's certainly what Vodaf- uh, what Two Degrees and um, some of the others have been arguing, that really we should be looking at the fixed line providers and saying, okay, guys, uh, time for you to come to the party now. And unfortunately, they are a bit slow off the mark on this. Presumably, they think they can get away with it for a few months and then make a, a, a play later on. But as of earlier this week, uh, the rates have come down. So I think it's only fair that our uh, our phone call pricings come down as well. Telstra clears the case in point. They've lowered the rates for mobile to mobile from $0.29 cents to $0.19, cents, which is great. They haven't touched their fixed to mobile prices. They stay at about 49 cents a minute. Now, uh, you know, that is, that is really quite steep for making a phone call. And uh, in this day and age, there's really no uh, no justification for it other than we can, so we will. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, I know that Two Talk are already offering um, via the, via their internet calling uh, about I think it's twenty cents a minute, uh, around that twenty twenty five cents a minute to call um, to call mobile. So right. if they're able to bring you know bring those down by the uh, you know let's say they bring it down by uh, seven cents because that's what the initial drop has been um, yep. then we, we could be uh, in a position where we're calling mobiles from landlines uh, or certainly from from internet based um, uh, phones for that sort of 13 uh, 13 or 14 cents a minute yeah, yeah. very shortly the other thing that 
that um, they mentioned that they're looking at is um, some 0800 callback type services, which right. I thought sounded very interesting. So you'd be able to call in to a special number from your mobile and you know then have a dial tone or some way of then calling out again. Yeah, yeah. And that would that would be obviously not user friendly, but um, one one way of being able to uh, get cheaper rates from your mobile. Absolutely. And, and there are a few apps, certainly for the smartphone users, uh, that allow you uh, what looks like a cell phone interface uh, to make voice over IP calls, so much so that both Telecom and Vodafone, and I think possibly Two Degrees as well, all have in their terms and conditions, thou shalt not use this for voice over IP, um, because they see it as pure cannibalization. People will certainly use more data, but they'll be paying at a much lower rate than they would for a per-minute call. So, um, the, you know, the voice over IP services on the mobile networks are pretty much outlawed. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that's going to have to change because that is, uh, that is the way of the future for the fixed-line market, and it's absolutely the way of the future for the mobile market as well. It's going to be all data, and one of the things you do with your data connection is occasionally you talk to people with it. Agreed, agreed. All right, oh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for chatting to us about those topics. Now, you mentioned smartphones. Tell us about what, uh, what do you use? Well, I, uh, I've currently got an iPhone 4, uh, but in my heart of hearts, I am an Android fellow. There's something about the open source um, environment that uh, I much, uh, you know, uh, resonates with me. I would rather have a phone that anybody could design for than a phone that one company based in California gets to say, yes, we like the look of your application, but um, no, perhaps if you made it a green interface, then perhaps try again, we'll let you sell it. <laughs> so, and, you have know, you got I'd the white or the silver one, Paul? just allowed to, uh, to push these things out because that's that's where innovation lies but that's not the apple way you know they do run a closed environment it works very well for them because um people like you know older people or or even younger people who aren't necessarily that fussed about uh, technology find that they can suddenly do all the things the geeks used to be able to do and do them (laughs) incredibly easily and that is uh that's that's not a bad thing at all so have you got the white one yet, or are you still on the old ones? No, 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 no. I'm, I, I had a white iPhone 3GS, and uh, everywhere I went, people accused me of having a girl's phone. <laughs> it didn't help that before that I'd had a, a BlackBerry Pearl, which was gorgeous, but was bright red, and um, ended up on the front cover of the Herald, I think it was, as um, gadgets for girls. And my brother used to laugh at me endlessly about that one. So yeah, no, I've got the black one, but I've got the iPad the too as well. So, you know, I'm well served there for Apple products just at the moment. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, thank you very much for your time, and, um, yeah, we'll look forward to chatting to you again in the future. Yeah, any time. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. All right, now, next topic. We heard this afternoon that apparently Microsoft are in the process or have just signed a deal to buy Skype for somewhere in the range of seven billion to eight and a half billion US dollars. <laughs> Look, let's not yeah. That's some crazy money, isn't it, guys? It, it's a lot of money considering they what eBay bought it for two point six billion US. Yeah. They sold part of it back for one point two billion, I think, or something. It, look, these these are huge numbers going out there at the moment, and it, it, look, we need, need to say this is all rumors at the moment. Every feed that we're reading off at the moment is talking about. Everyone's this. talking about and it, so there's a pretty there's a pretty yeah. good chance that we that we're going to see a real announcement on it. But that's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So um, that will be very interesting to see. Now, what I I, um, I did a blog post about this this afternoon when it hit. What I found was quite interesting from Microsoft's perspective is that they've already got technology that's very similar to Skype today which is 
they've got their windows live messenger product yep. uh it's also in the xbox so you can do your video chats and so on through the xbox uh and then you know in the business end they've got their uh their link product or, or ocs office communication server so they've actually got all of the stuff that's in skype what they don't have is that big base of customers that are using it for video chats and and voice calls at the moment 13 percent around the world they own 13 percent of all voice chats go through skype at the moment around the world it's a huge amount is that voice chats or all voice over internet all voice uh, over internet sorry right so that that's yeah that's pretty uh, significant i mean you would think in the in the in the video chat and the voice chat space online Uh, computer to computer, they would they would hold the lion's share oh, yeah. of that. You know, be you know well over fifty percent. I mean, you and I were talking just before we started the show tonight, and I mean, the the key thing I think for this will be if they build Skype and stuff into the, the Connect type products, that will just be really really nice because the video conferencing stuff in Connect, if you've used it, is it's quite cool. It's there, but I think you know with a if rich it tied into Skype, Skype it would then just be you, awesome. Then you'd be away. I mean, at the moment. You can go out and buy TVs today. I think uh, is it Panasonic that are doing them here locally that have got a Skype capability built into them. But they add about a thousand dollars extra onto the price of the TV, wow. and then you're because it's built into the TV, and TVs don't usually get software updates and so on. You're caught with the the issue that Skype changes, and and then your TV doesn't update, so you don't get that new functionality. So, you know, if this can um, happen whereby, you know, that comes via an Xbox, it's actually cheap, much cheaper to buy an Xbox with the Connect video camera and capabilities than it is to add that onto your TV. So, um, yeah, I think possibly a, a fairly smart move from, from Microsoft's perspective. Yeah, look, the, the rumor mills are going there. Obviously, Google and Facebook, we're trying to court them as well. And, yeah, look, we it, again, it's all rumors until we sort of find out hopefully tomorrow they might just come out tomorrow and just say no nah, we're not doing it it's yeah. all been a bit of media <laughs> you know um but Create some good good discussion yeah. anyway but yeah no it, it'll be an interesting move for where they go and what they're going to use it for and how they're going to merge it in with the the live messenger and, and the link and everything else because like you said they've got the elements already there so is it you know people well, one, one thing that they don't have is their uh their software's not on so many platforms so no, we think of we think of skype as well Hey, you, you can get it on a TV, you know, you can get it on your iPhone, your iPad, and, and your Android yep. devices and so on. It's on Linux. You know, it's really across a lot of platforms. So the, the playing devil's advocate here, uh, is this going to be the death of the Skype platform for some of those products like the Unix space? I mean, a lot of people are saying it online. They're looking at this buyout and going, ah, oh, the evil empire, and I'm doing quotes here. Uh, they've taken over Skype and they're going to destroy it for all the platforms except for Microsoft. What what, what do you guys reckon about that? Well, I, I would think if we looked back, if we looked back a few years, and you know there was a time where Microsoft had Internet Explorer on the Mac, and then Apple came in with their own products, so they killed it, and and so on. You know, I think in the past that might have been the case, but I think you know Microsoft today seem to be quite committed to going onto as many platforms as they can with their products. Uh, that's certainly the case with their Bing app that they get, you know they're getting out there on on various other platforms. Um, you know even their um, their Silverlight product that 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 uh, you know drives some of their their uh, apps and um, and the, you know their their web initiatives. Uh, you know they've they've worked with um, with a partner there to you know to see that becoming available in Linux. So that they seem to be much more open to those sorts of things today than probably what they once were. So my take on it, Skype have 666 million users. I just looked it up. 
you're not going to cut out two thirds of your base and spend eight billion dollars to knock out you know that area. So yeah, you wouldn't I, think so. No, would so you? I, I, they're, they're buying it for the users. They're for buying the it for users. the technology, but they're yep. they're buying it because it is cross platform mm-hmm. and it is a an amazing piece of technology that does sit across anything. A lot of the stuff, like you said, Paul, now is going. They are looking at being more multi-platform based, which is great. Um, and yeah, it, I just, I think there's a lot of drama queens out there at the moment that are, you know, oh, back in the XP days. But nah, I, I, this is going to be good for good for people that want to use that technology. And let's just hope they integrate it well. That's yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing because Skype originally came from uh, um, guys that were behind. Uh, was it Kazar the, uh, yeah, the, the peer-to-peer the, service? Yeah, the peer-to-peer file file sharing, um, which was all the you know the um, you know used to to share music and mm. and and uh, and movies and so on and <laughs> and more often than not for uh, you know copyrighted materials. So. so I've got a little story for you. So back when I worked in in the UK, um, Skype used to be across the road, and my employer back there would sit there and they started doing a bit of banter between both organizations and Skype would hang out huge banners with job adverts on it to try and get my <laughs> people from my current employer to go across. And they did. They actually took Skype, took a lot of Microsoft developers into their fold wow. to do a lot of development. So then my employer started hanging banners out trying to get the Skype employers and it became a bit of a <laughs> bit of fun loving between the two. But it was actually quite good. And they're actually a really sort of clued up young Facebooky type of organization. Yeah, the, yeah. The whole beanbag sort innovative. of environment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there was a definitely um, a lot of developers moved across into that space. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean it did seem for a while there we, you know, after eBay bought them and then they marked down their value to less than half of what they'd paid for it that, you know, you started to wonder what's the future of Skype. But uh you know, I would think this is probably a positive move um, if this comes, you know, comes together. But well, let's wait and see. It's going to have to be a positive move. It's seven odd billion dollars worth of positive move for Microsoft. So, well, it might, or or or, or else uh, it's just um, yeah, a lot of money that's gone to waste. So yeah, I don't think they're going to let it go waste. All right. Well, next next on our uh, next on our agenda, we wanted to chat a little bit about uh, current home cinema type topics. So obviously we, we chatted before about Skype on on TVs. Um, yep. I, I had a little bit of a look at that a few months ago, and have to say I wasn't particularly impressed. And and partly because Skype, like a lot of other consumer technologies, is quite fast moving, and so some of the newer features that are, that have come into Skype, for instance, um, multi-party video calling. Where where you can basically you know video chat with a number of people at once that sort of stuff wasn't on the TV and you'll end up with sort of compatibility issues because the TV uh, platform doesn't appear to sort of be keeping up with the play with um, uh, with the main product so I thought that's quite interesting but if you're really wanting uh, video you know type chat um, you know basic video conferencing then you can do that today on a TV but you're looking at um, you know two thousand dollars upwards uh, last time i checked for a uh, a tv with with that um if if that stuff keeps moving along we might have a chat to um to some of the companies that are uh, that are launching those to, to hear a little bit more detail um one of the other interesting things in that sort of tv and home cinema space is the pricing of these big screen tvs is really coming down isn't it um, I noticed that you can now, for a thousand dollars, pick up a full HD um, LCD TV. Wow! 
uh, which what is, size? is that's a, fo- a 40, 40 inch, 42 inch full HD TV around a thousand dollars. A number Ooh. of brands that are sort of coming in at that sort of price on on special. Um, also at that price point, we're seeing the the slightly lower resolution HD ready plasma TVs in a 50 inch size for sub $1,000 in New Zealand. So I saw a top of the line Sony. I was out at Sylvia Park up here in Auckland recently. And Sony had a 55-inch LCD, obviously all the HD, four HDMI inputs, you know, all the whiz bangs, mm. $1,995. Wow. What? That, $1,900. Skip's gone. And that is ridiculous. <laughs> He's running out of the studio these now things, to grab one. These things are huge. I mean, if you've ever looked at the size of a 55-inch TV, <laughs> uh, oh, well, there's, a, there's a place in the, in the States called Fry's, which is just this ginormous consumer outlet. Think of Dick Smith on steroids. It's huge. It's like a supermarket sort of size, isn't it, they, but full yeah. of electronics. They, they brag that their smallest store is the same size as a gridiron field. So think of a rugby field. <laughs> the, the one that I went to is actually the physical store was two and a half half gridiron fields and the car park was a kilometer by a kilometer big so these things are massive and they had tvs in there they're 100 inch tvs for sale mm. these things are just huge but over there you know you, we're they're tri- they were you know half the price oh sorry triple the prices you know and it's just like now everything's dropped down with the new zealand dollar it's great and you know we're just getting things cheap 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 yeah well the, the other thing i saw was you're getting you know it's reasonably easy to find a 50-inch full HD plasma for around $1,500 price point now. Yeah. And and those actually look pretty good. You know, that's from, a, you know, a major name. It's not a, uh, you know, just a cheap, cheap random, you know, brand that you've never heard of before. So um, I, I think that's pretty positive in terms of, um, you know, setting up a nice gaming or, or home theater environment at home. It's oh. So the question is, plasma, there's, there's a big one, plasma, LCD, and LED. What, what do you guys have and what do you prefer? Um, I've currently got LCD, but I would love LED. It's just that the, for me, if I wanted to do, get a big 55-inch TV for the cinema at home, LED would just be too expensive for me yeah, right now because yeah. they are just so th- thin and light, right? And y- you do have that whole sort of borderless environment for me. That's what I'd love, but I've got LCD at the moment. Right. Paul? I've I've used both, and I think it's a topic we'd probably like to get into a bit more in in a, in a future episode, but at the moment I'm using LCD. And yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. It's, it's good, but there's certainly some pros and cons of different different things. What are you using? I'm using plasma. Yeah, yeah. I like the blacks. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. nice, and it's, yeah. it, you just seem to be a lot crisper picture at the moment. I, I saw some of the new plasmas, and plasmas are just dirt, dirt cheap. They mm. really are. Yeah, mm. but I think they suck a lot more power. But as you say, we should probably do that debate another time. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it certainly is the debate of the time. Yeah, we go on for days on that one. Yeah. All right, uh, and and of course, then there's 3D TV on top on, on top of that to discuss as well. Um, another sort of home cinema related topic we've chatted a little bit recently about Hulu and Hulu Plus. Uh, I found it not working quite so well for myself no. um, via via the Xbox um, when connecting in. Of course, the VPN um, using that VPN technique that we've discussed in previous shows, uh, it just seems to drop out. So it doesn't seem to have quite the same um, smarts as the Zoom service in terms of how it how it handles the bandwidth um, sort of movements or the Netflix or the, or even Netflix, yeah. which, you know. Again, so um, yeah. So my my recommendation at the moment is to be a little bit you know cautious about that. There is some um, free signups, and you you know you can certainly try out the free service of Hulu if you've got a VPN. 
Um, but uh, yeah, not not running as well as Netflix. No, that's, ne- that's Netflix sure. is definitely leading it at the moment. I was just saying to the guys earlier on. I was watching Sons of Anarchy last night, episode starting from the beginning, and it was just seamless. How many episodes are there on there uh, of Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. Oh, there's everything. So there's there's. So I'm starting from the pilot moving yeah. forward. So and th- there's a whole lot of content oh, if you if you yeah. sign up for Netflix. Yeah. Nef- yeah. Ne- Netflix it, is a lot more mature in the way it does its streaming. It really is. Hulu. I like you. I was having that buffering where it was. It would play, then go recalculating your network connection for you, and you wait like three or four minutes, and it's just, yeah, it wasn't working nicely. Yeah, yeah, one of the series I enjoyed but realised I must have missed some episodes, didn't hit record or what have you, was um, Prison Break a while ago, oh, and yep. I jumped on Netflix and I found uh, I found in there all the episodes that I'd missed. So um, so that was a bit of fun over the weekend was catching up on. Um, on some bits and pieces I'd forgotten or, or, or missed. Although one of them that I was watching, my wife said, we've actually seen this. And I said, well, I don't remember it. So it's just as much fun as I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> That's my great memory coming into play. All right. Um, ne- next topic, uh, while I remember what, what we've still got to cover tonight. Um, <laughs> now, a, a little um, one on browsers. We chatted a little bit last week about Firefox, Chrome, and, and Safari. And one of the little things I mentioned um, was one of the specific features I'd, I'd seen in, in one or two of those, uh, the new versions of those browsers, was this ability to take a tab and to dra- drag it away from the browser and it would create a window of its own. And do vice versa. Yep. Grab a tab out of a a, um, um, a window and be able to drag it back into the others. Uh, I found out in the last few days that IE nine actually supports that too. I was going to say it last week, and I thought, <laughs> you know what, I'll get in trouble because all the people online will sit there and start saying, "Oh God, he's going on about Microsoft again." So I thought, you know what, I'll shut up and I'll be good. <laughs> but I got feedback from people that listen to the show. There's like, "Why didn't you jump in?" It's like, "Well, we'll just learn about this one." But yeah, it, it does the same thing. You can yeah. drag your tabs. I around. just happened to notice because I thought I'd better try this out, and I was like, "Oh, they all do that." So, um, so there, there you go. Um, so it just proves how close how close these browsers are getting in their uh, in their functionality. As one comes up with a new feature, all of them tend you know tend to get it in a lot of cases, which is interesting. Now, new hardware bits and pieces. Uh, we have Intel out with their new uh, SSD drives, which we've spoken about before. That's a solid state storage, so instead of the the usual Yummy. spinning parts of a normal hard disk, it's all it's really just the same memory as is in your phone or your uh, your digital camera, right? Yeah, and, and and the Mac guys have had these for a little while now, which is why they've had the most beautiful performance out there. Now they're coming more mainstream and. Yeah, I've been upgrading quite a few of my machines at home. Um, everything from my media centers to my main games machines and stuff. And the performance difference is just, yeah, phenomenal. Double the speed. So it means you can, you know, you can turn on your machine and start up, you know, Windows or whatever, you know, operating systems yep. on your on on your uh, uh, your PC or a Mac just so much quicker, right? Yeah. So so the key thing to note is that if you are using open source operating systems, that you've got a thing called Trim support. Now Trim allows after a period of time, if you do not have trim, the hard drive or the OS will start to slow down a bit. If you have trim, it cleans up and does what's called garbage collection. So the Mac OS, the latest version has latest that version now. has that. Yeah, yeah, Windows 7 has it. Um, and some of the Linux versions have it, but you just need to make sure if you are using the open source ones, you get the right one there. Otherwise, you will invest quite a bit of cash and you will go, what the, yeah, at, at what's not, going on. Not, not, not working as good as it should. Now, there's uh, some new drives out from Intel that have been available in New Zealand for a few weeks, the uh, 320 series. 
They're available in um, starting in a 60 gig size. They've got a 120, 160, 300, and 600. Now, the cool thing about that is if you can cope with either, you know, just a small disc, that they the 60 gig one is, I think, around 150 New Zealand dollars to get onto an SSD That's not bad. drive, which is, is yeah, it was phenomenal because it Coming wasn't down. that long ago we were talking you know 500 to 1000 for any in fact it wasn't long ago they were about $1000 for an SSD of of any reasonable um spec so um, I thought that was pretty cool Mauricio was just saying in the uh, the uh, geek zone chat room that uh, he's put in his laptop a 256 gig SSD but is that the new crucial one? Because yeah, their, their one the, has, has come out with some perform, phenomenal uh, performance, performance yeah, uh, he's, ratings. He's definitely um, he's definitely uh, rating the crucial ones quite high. But he can boot Windows Seven in ten seconds. Oh yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. You, isn't you, it? You've got you've got so what you're the booting Mac guys that faster than you than than what your uh, than what your your phone or your iPad um, you know starts up in pretty much it's it's that sort of level of performance yeah and it's it? not just windows it'll be it'll, it's your well, open source yeah system. it's yeah I, i've no, got i've got, i've had open source ones running on there and it that is everything's fast it's again it's what the mac guys have had for quite a while well, all the, the macbook yeah yeah yep, yeah same sort of thing isn't it so um that's that's awesome the um i mean you can get the 600 gig one from intel now i think that is you're, you're talking well over a thousand dollars for that but it's it's uh, that's it's still pretty pretty cool. It would be very nice to have one of those, uh, but not something I'll be I'll be putting in all my machines anytime soon. <laughs> um, now that these new ones from Intel, they're using this new um, NAND flash memory chips, which are on the twenty five nanometer um, production line. So it's a new type of um, manufacturing method. I think that brings some pros and cons to it, yep. but. The, the the main benefit is it helps bring down the cost really and these uh, current drives are apparently about 30% less than what we've seen before so and also nice. power the key thing is also with power as, as that 25 nanos so as they get smaller and smaller there's heat and power reductions with those in theory in theory as they get and basically there will be a cost saving but there's also a power saving which for thin devices as we go for slates iPads and everything with solid state means better battery life Cool. It's key for us. Well, I'm trying out the uh, the 160 gig, so I'll be reporting back on that shortly. You and, thought uh, it was still in your bag tonight. <laughs> I hope nobody's been in there and nicked it. Mm. Mm. Don't look at me. Right, I'm going <laughs> to keep a close watch on my bag for the rest of the evening. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, really looking forward to trying that out. Now, last week uh, Brad mentioned that um, Vodafone were doing a bit of a special on their um, portable hotspot device, so yep. you can get take Wi-Fi with you and it just hooks into the Vodafone network. That was 199 uh, Understand that was down from $299. Um, had a chat to 2 Degrees and noticed... That they're doing, they've got one for 199 as well. That's actually its normal price with with them. Uh, but the special they're doing is at the moment it comes with three gigs of data into that price. Oh, you didn't tell me that. So that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty hot hot deal. And uh, even when it's not on special, I think they usually throw in a gig or two worth of data. So um, oh, I might buy one. Definitely worth considering. I think that's their that's their kind of the metro type data. I can't remember exactly what they call it, but it's the data pack, which means you can use it in one of the main centres where their network, their core network, is based. Uh, so you wouldn't be able to use that that three gig block probably if you were you know out in the boonies or something. 
um, but you can still buy you know general data packs. I as could well. turn my car into a Wi-Fi hotspot mobile. <laughs> that would be mm, cool. That would be cool. Mm, I might look at that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I will probably have a play with one of those. Uh, we might use it as our um, as our data access on the show sometime in the next in the next few weeks. Um, we'll give give that a little bit of a play and report back. We could throw some streaming up on that puppy and see how it flies. See how it goes, yeah. yeah. No, it would be interesting to do a performance test, actually, between similar devices from uh, from the various networks. Yeah, well, so. that's something that we've been looking at, we do for broadcasting, is that we broadcast between telecom sticks, for example, and the throughput's really phenomenal. So it'd be good to try the two-degree stuff. Mm. Mm. All right, well, we'll, um, we'll come back to that on another episode. Uh, now, in terms of new new gadgetry, the Samsung Galaxy S2, I think, has started landing in the country. A few people are, are having those shipped in from overseas, and word is that they're pretty stoked out with this new Android handset. It yeah, they sounds, look good. It sounds pretty cool, 4.3-inch um, Super AMOLED Plus screen. You know, it's it's just the specs and so on are, are nice. Um Dual core, all the all the fancy stuff. So um, we will we'll try and report back a little bit more on that in a uh, in a future uh, show. But what we've heard so far is certainly really really positive um, reviews on on that from initial users. Now our final sort of major topic this evening is I just wanted to chat about getting access to podcasts and phone calls and so on from your um, from your smartphone while you're in the car. Oh. Okay. What what do you guys use at the moment if you need to chat in the car? Have you got a Bluetooth headset? What what bits and pieces have you got? I've got a Blue Ant at the moment device. Um, it sits up on the visor of the car. I do a Bluetooth connection and away I go from there. Which model have you got? I knew you were going to ask me that. I have not. You know what? I got got it as a Christmas present from my in laws. Okay. So, but no, look, it does the job and it's it's it is quite good. One of the things I do miss though is that when I am listening to podcasts and stuff, I can't do it in the car. Okay, so you it drives yeah. me batty. Well, what I've uh, what I've come across in that space. Oh, Brad, um, sorry, Skip. What yeah. are you using? I, I'm actually. Well, I've got two. I did have a parrot. Yeah. But it's uh, fried for whatever reason. Okay. So I've actually got a um, TomTom hands-free kit for the iPhone. Oh. And it has a um, it has an adapter on it to go out of jack, and I can plug that straight into my stereo. Yeah. I can't oh, the car. very handy. So you can listen to podcasts in the car. I can. Now, the only downside to it is if you've got a noisy alternator like I've got in my car, mm-hmm. you hear the buzz. Yeah. So I, have, through it. So yeah so I have to do some sort of isolation to make that work better. But otherwise, it's absolutely fine. I mean, I listen to podcasts, music, the whole night. I very rarely listen to radio now. Right, yeah. Well, when I went across to um, a smartphone that could do all my podcasts and so on, at the same time I decided I really want to be able to listen to podcasts and Mm. make that time when I'm in the car sort of, you know, that becomes my portable university really when I'm commuting to and from work. I want to be learning some stuff. I don't want to just listen to, you know, the radio. I enjoy listening to the radio sometimes, but I wanted to get some, you know, some value out of that. Um, so I had a look around. I realised that my, um, I think it was a Blue Ant unit, um, Bluetooth unit for making calls, wouldn't allow me to listen to the podcast. Yep, that's what I've got problem. So I found two options. One, um, Blue Ant have got a new unit, the S4, that uh, we've got somebody that's been trying out for the last few weeks. It's pretty good. 
and that allows you to make your phone calls, but also listen to your podcasts or listen to music through it through the through the blue end through, device. Through the device, yep. So it does that over Bluetooth. So it's got a um, a Bluetooth stereo profile, which is the the thing required to make that happen. Ooh. Um, so that's quite an easy option. They're about one hundred and seventy nine dollars. Um, there's a few retailers like Dick Smith and so on. Dick Smith was where I picked that one up. The other option, which for me was a was was a much better option, was to replace my stereo. And there are there are options from Sony, JVC have got some options in the market as well. Um, I went for the Sony. Now the model numbers are a bit confusing, but it's um, it's got twenty eight hundred in it. Uh, <laughs> if you have a look on their website you'll see the different models or you know if you go into to jb or the various places that sell those um you know you'll see those but that unit is just great because i jump in the car if i'm listening to a you know a podcast or another uh, mechanism on the phone that'll just pick up and start you know playing as soon as the car goes on and yeah, and it'll pause if you're listening to a podcast or listen to music. It'll just pause pause that for the time, the duration of your phone call. When you hang up the phone call, or the other party hangs up, then it just you know recommences playing the podcast at the moment you left off, which is so nice. It works so well. And the issue that I've had, and I've heard from others, it's fairly common with the Bluetooth headset or the the Bluetooth unit for the car is. If you're using one of those and you forget to turn it off yes. when you get home and your driveway is very close to your house, you miss calls because the phone <laughs> is actually ringing in the car on the Bluetooth headset. So the car stereo solves that issue because as soon as I turn the car off, the stereo goes off and my calls are then back on the phone. The number so, of time my wife has said, oh, she looks at a phone at the end of the evening, I've got 15 missed calls. I didn't hear the phone ring. Bluetooth on, honey. Oh, she's... It's just yep. yeah, it drives yep. you baddie. Well, it, dri- it drove me mad. You eventually train yourself to 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 you know turn your Bluetooth unit off or disable the Bluetooth on the phone. But I must say, it has made my life a whole lot easier and better just to have a Bluetooth head unit in the car. Really, really a good investment. Great for listening to music. Crank it up. You know, it's awesome. I'm buying one tomorrow. So thoroughly, thoroughly recommended. Um, <laughs> there's that. There's a couple of the Sony units. Um, the lowest end model, that eighteen, the eighteen hundred model, doesn't support uh, plugging in a dedicated mic for um, for your phone calls, and it seems that the that a dedicated mic, even though there's not you know much difference usually in where a stereo sits to where a mic might sit, um, you do seem to get a better result out of that dedicated mic, just better quality audio. So that's worth considering as getting one that supports that mic if you're going to be using it a lot for phone calls. Uh, and the JVC models, I've had a little bit of a, a, a look at some of those, and it seems most of them have a USB plugged in for the Bluetooth, which I don't think is probably as ideal as having the Bluetooth functionality sort of embedded right into the kind of the core of the uh, the car stereo. So I just while you were doing that, I just quickly looked up at the um, the Blue Ant one that you're talking about, mm. and all the reviews that I've just quickly skimmed through all give it a 5 out of 5 for a rating. So oh, It's very good. I, I tried it out when, when when I got it for one of my team and it was just so easy to set up. It, it works so well. You know, it looks nice. Good battery life. Yeah, 
no that that one's definitely recommended if you just want an easy option to get up and running you don't want to go through changing out your car stereo you know or you've got a flash car with a you know where you can't easily change the stereo those sorts of things so yep. no, i'm gonna yep. get one tomorrow well worth looking at i'm done 179 dollars good done. i expect a commission from dick smith or whoever you buy it from dickie uh, smith's baby yep all right uh <laughs> All right, well, we're, uh, we're coming towards a close. Now, a couple of apps of the week to discuss this week. Yes. Now, on Android, Brad, you've been, uh, you've been playing around with the same app that um, um, probably a lot of our listeners have been using and appreciating, um, and I've, been, I've used it recently too, um, the Google Navigation. Yeah, it's on brilliant. Android. So I installed Android 2.3.3, I think it's the gingerbread flavor, and um, on an HD2 because um, I was wanting to turn um, my um, have Copilot and running on my HD2 originally, and the um, but the uh, the Android Google navigation is just stunning. It really is for a free piece of software. Um, brilliant. Couldn't couldn't fold it. I drove with it for a couple of days running. Battery life was fantastic using Android on it. I'm really, really impressed with how accurate it was, and it, it's up there. I mean, I don't use all the features of, like, your TomToms and everything else. So for me, it just did everything I wanted to do. Yeah, and, and I guess for most people, you just need to get from A to B, right? Yeah, so exactly, and it did that very, that very process, well. And it seems to do it well. Uh, you know, I found it had the uh, spoken street names and things like that. Um, yeah, really nice. Yeah, really no, nice. Super impressed with it. Yeah. They did a good yeah. job with that one. Now, the downside, which I think, you know, it's worth with. Uh, calling out with if you're using a navigation app on a smartphone that doesn't include the maps preloaded to your device Bingo. then you potentially can burn through a lot of data so you need to make sure you're on a good data plan uh, so it is worth sort of considering that yep. in the picture because you can now go out and you know, I was recently at a at a store that was selling you know quite reasonable name brand um, uh, GPS units you know dedicated screen all you know all the bits and pieces a you know full-blown unit 129 dollars so when you weigh that up against wow. against actually the data cost of and you know of using your phone like that and using up your phone's battery um it may be worth in some cases just saying well actually if i can you know go out and and uh and, and get a device for 129 dollars it'll do a do a similar job but without those running costs maybe a smarter move so you know it depends how much you drive around and of course there are gps units that are much more than that um that was that was at uh harvey norman i think they've they've had some big sales on some of those gps units uh, they've really recently. come down in price haven't they yeah, there used to be a thousand dollars for one you know for the entry-level ones and, 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 and you can still spend seven eight hundred dollars yeah. if you want extra maps and other yeah, sort of high-end features. Um, one thing I did look for was a unit that would do the navigation and the Bluetooth in one. Okay, and yep. there were some units that would do that with phone calls, but most people don't seem to recommend it. doesn't seem to work too well, and especially if you want to listen to podcasts and audio, most of them don't have that capability. So they might do your phone call, but they won't actually be able to play um, strange as it may seem because it seems well if they can play the audio from a phone call why can't they play the audio of my music or a podcast mm. but most of them won't do it much like most of the uh, Bluetooth head units don't or headsets uh, don't you know hand free kits don't don't do that okay. so um, yeah just just worth uh, being aware of uh, any other apps to uh, to call out this week I think um, the um, the yellow pages app which is on um, on iPhone and also Brad you've been playing with it on Windows phone yep so I had a quick go of it on Windows phone and it's it's a really slick 
quick um, little application. Um, there's no lag for doing the searches. It was really snappy. I mean, obviously, they've incorporated the, the sliding um, windows with inside Windows Phone 7. Uh, yeah, really, really clean little application. Um, business and people searches was, was really nice. Um, and the way it presents the information back to you is nice and slick as well. So, um, yeah, the guys from, from Yellow have done a good job in sort of getting it ported across from the um, from the iPhone world into the Windows Phone 7 world. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's it's great to see um, to see those apps coming across uh, a bunch of platforms, and yeah, definitely um, we'll call that out for iPhone, iPad, and and even yep, the iPod Touch as well. Uh, really, really good apps. So uh, definitely worth looking out for. Good. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for this uh, one of our longer episodes. But I hope you've uh, you've enjoyed listening in. Uh, please do get in touch if you've got comments or, or feedbacks, or you think our show's great and you want to uh, talk about it online. Then you know, feel free to uh, you know to tweet us and mention us. Our um, our Twitter handle is at NZ Tech Podcast. We're also online nztechpodcast dot com. So uh, look forward to catching you on the next episode. And bear in mind, you can also catch our live stream via the GeekZone chat channel, which we're doing now. So look look those guys up, geekzone.co.nz. And uh, we really appreciate uh, the involvement from GeekZone and, and having them as, uh, as part of the show. Yeah, big ups. Thanks, guys. All right. Until next time, see ya. See ya. Bye. <laughs>